Hi, NARC Troopers. It's Sunday afternoon, and I have a little something I want to talk to you about. Um, the title of today's article is, Time is marked by memories, but not for the disordered. Time is marked by memories for most people, for all people, except for cluster B disordered people like narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths. The narcissist is incapable of remembering the past. That's what we're going to talk about today. So as we step into 2023, it's been pretty bumpy so far, right? And we reflect on this passage of time and revisit the multitude of memories over the past year, past couple of years, whatever, since our relationship with this um, person who is disordered. You know, we do that for a number of reasons. We do it to measure our triumphs and our failures and to reassess where we want to go as we move forward into another year. We do it to revisit the warm memories of time spent with loved ones. And we do it as part of our lived experience that acts as a catalyst for our evolution as human beings. But a person with pathological narcissistic personality disorder and those with other cluster B disorders, um, you know, they have difficulty with remembering um, the past. They are famous for revising history and rewriting a different narrative that departs from the truth of what actually happened. Through the lens of magical thinking, grandiosity, and delusional filters, false reality, fantasy, and blame shifting that always paints them as the victim, they are able to take anything and everything um, that ever happened in their lives and create a new version that ensures that they're always going to come across, come out uh, as the good guy in the story, even when that's not the case. The, this defect is called discontinuous memory. You can do a little bit more research on that if you like. It's a thing. And it is the result of a brain abnormality that prevents them from remembering the past with accuracy and fidelity. They just don't. They can't. Recent studies conclude what previous studies have found about impaired memory in narcissists and psychopaths. Most recently, 120 participants were recruited from undergraduate programs at the University of Bari in Italy. These findings sign align with previous research that found psychopathic individuals had distinct differences in autobiographical memory for emotional life experiences. In particular, um, in particular, um, autobiographical memory that um, involves emotional events that are remembered with less detail than those who lack this, uh, these psychopathic traits, which, you know, all of the cluster B disordered people sort of overlap in many ways. There are 
differences, but they wouldn't be grouped together as cluster B disorders if they didn't have overlapping features. And the psychopathy, you know, is, is a fluid thing that comes in and out of the picture. I love what Dr. Sam Vaknin says. I <laughs> love that guy. Um, when he talks about that, he's, he says that the narcissist will become a primary or secondary psychopath through different phases of their cycling through different versions of themselves, different stages of their illness. Like if they have a narcissistic injury or if they have a narcissistic collapse, they will often become psychopathic or they will have psychopathic tendencies all along or they will um, manifest these things as uh, in response to a particular event or something. Borderlines can become primary or secondary psychopaths in response to certain things that happen there. So, you know, narcissists, sociopaths, psychopaths, um, those three in particular certainly have psychopathic um, tendencies, characteristics, and move in and out. They're, they are uh, fluid in their, um, in their primary manifestations of their illness. And they even talk about like different narcissists can become different kinds of narcissists. Like at some point in, in a life of a narcissist, they may be covert and then they may change and become um, uh, overt. They may be somatic and they may change and become cerebral. So it's not like one and done. You're the same thing from birth on or from that traumatic experience that made you in the first place most likely, um, that, that it's a changing thing. And, um, and psychopathy is always right there along for the, for the ride with the narcissist and other cluster B disordered people. Um, the research team, uh, let me see where I was, in particular, emotional events are remembered with less uh, accuracy if you have these psychopathic traits. The research team concluded that by shedding light on the conditions of their emotion processing uh, difficulty, um, that future research should be directed to the understanding of the specific mechanisms that impair memory in these individuals, in particularly the encoding of a specific event or emotional experience in individuals who are high in these psychopathic traits. The same has been documented for narcissist and antisocial disordered people. So this study is not just about psychopaths. It is also about narcissists and antisocials, and antisocials are your sociopath. There are a couple of explanations regarding why the narcissist often does not remember or creates a new and fictional memory of something. There's a reason why they do that. Um, one explanation is their internal attempts at ordering their world so that they are always the hero and everything always proves that they are the good guy. The other explanation could be gaslighting a form of psychological manipulative abuse where the person with NPD imposes their delusional reality on other people. 
And, you know, there's a lot of definitions of gaslighting floating around out there uh, now because a lot of these things have entered into the arena of public discourse and everybody talks about narcissism and gaslighting and stuff almost too much. I think it's too much when it becomes like a trendy word. You don't even know what you're talking about. You don't have the understanding behind what you're saying. You just know that that's a name to call people that's disparaging and accusing them of something, which is never good. It takes away from the gravity of the seriousness of this issue. Um, so beware of that. You know, you might want to be listening for that when people throw those words around liberally. You might want to try to enter a discussion and say, exactly what does that mean to you? And in the case of narcissism, it's a form of psychological manipulative abuse where the person with NPD imposes their delusional reality upon others. And it makes you feel like you're crazy because you don't know if you're coming or going. You don't know what's real. You don't know what's real because when you're in a relationship with these people, you are in a shared fantasy. It is a mutual psychosis. You are both delusional. You have drunk the Kool-Aid if you're in there with them in this um, imaginary fiction um, that they create for you. And let me say, it's very appealing, very comforting. It feels like a safe peaceful place you think about narcissists being raging and abusive and outwardly aggressive or something that's not true in most cases that's something else that's more crossing into other territory with other things if you're truly a narcissist there's even an argument that all narcissists are technically covert narcissists and put on very charming and glib um, personas to the outside world, you know, they don't reveal what's really going on. They're just cutie patootie dream come true. And, and, and they have such a bulletproof false facade. They even believe it's true. They believe their own BS. They believe their own fictional narrative. And so does everyone else. It's so real that even the most expert narc detector is not going to be able to always see that they're that good because probably because they believe it them, themselves that certainly helps out so um so that's not all there are more developmental impairments that cause a person with npd to have trouble remembering people or events with accuracy they are fundamentally discontinuous here is that word again they're discontinuous memory and these um and, and there's like two reasons why that may be true. Um, first, narcissists lack whole object relations. Whole object relations. You should put that in your notes. Spend a little time looking up more information about that. It's very interesting stuff. Um, whole object relations is the capacity to see people in a stable, integrated, continuous realistic way as having both liked and disliked traits. Okay, think about that. If you have whole object relations, you understand that a person that you love can disappoint you, anger you, um, frustrate you in some way, let you down in some way, but you still see the good in them, even though they have done something bad. You still see the good in them and you still love them. You know, that happens every day when you have children, right? They do something really awful. Like, what the heck is wrong with you? Why did you do that or say that or stop it? <laughs> but that doesn't mean you don't love them. 
It doesn't mean that you don't see that there's an amazing little human being. There's just something that, that they did that was really not okay. So narcissists don't get that. You know, if you um, don't have um, whole object relations, you can't form an integrated picture and so as a result, you see yourself and other people as either all good or all bad, black or white, no gray. That's a thing. And I know that sounds really weird. Like, how could that be? That's, is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. In a way, um, it's like a kind of uh, unconscious confirmation bias. You'll hear a lot. Of, that's another trendy word, confirmation bias which is the tendency to only notice that which supports your current assumption and to ignore anything else, including memories that might contradict your current assumption. So you come up with a stance on something. This is what happened, or this is what I believe, or this is the truth. And if you have confirmation bias, you don't look for, nor do you accept any new information that may come to you to prove that you might be wrong including memories. So if you paint this person black and say, oh, they're all bad, they do all bad things, and you don't see any other shade, there's no gray, there's no variation or anything, no gradient scale or something, you, they're just all bad, then you get some information or, or you see a photograph or a memory comes to you or something triggers you to remember something, you're going to reject that as, as not right, as false, as you're, you're, you can't, because of the confirmation bias to retain that um, perspective that you have about things, you can't accept that as being real. You're going to find a way to discount it, minimize it, just completely unremember it. I don't know if that's a word to completely reject it and just say that never happened when clearly it did. You know, you can put facts and statistics in front of a narcissist and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to them. There's some alternate reality and facts and reality do not register in their brains and they can deny something right there that's in the room right in front of them and say, no, I don't believe that is, is correct. It's right there in front of them. But no, that couldn't be right. So whole object relations is a psychological explanation for why, one psychological explanation for why they can't remember things with fidelity and accuracy. They just can't if it doesn't fit their narrative, if it doesn't fit this new confabulation that they have designed, then they can't accept it. Okay, how are we doing on time? Okay, so one last part. Um, narcissists lack um, object constancy. Whole object relations is what we just talked about. Now we're talking about object constancy. Object constancy is the ability to maintain the big picture of your whole relationship regardless of the ever-changing feelings that occur in the relationship. In healthy relationships, it's important to remember the good parts and good feelings towards each other, even when one of you is angry, hurt, frustrated, disappointed. Sort of the, sort of the same as whole object relations, being able to see have a continuous uh, view of something with different shades of gray. Uh, but object relations is, has more to do with the feelings. Um, so you don't have emotional memory if you're a narcissist. Basically, that's 
kind of where I'm going with that. There's no emotional memory. So if you had a good memory where you there was happiness and joy and it was just wonderful and all yummy, and you have told yourself this person is a predator, they're a threat, they're evil, they're a bad guy, they're trying to harm me, then you don't remember. You have no emotional recall of the positive. It's gone. It's like it's erased. It's like a computer program. You just hit the button and you delete it and it's gone. It's like that. Yep. Um, the NPD brain cannot hold both of these concepts at the same time. It's true. You are either good or you're bad, and they forget the emotional feeling that was connected with the memory. It would upset the apple cart too much to to try to remember something really wonderful in a person that they have convinced themselves is 100% bad. So they forget the good parts. And when you try to tell them about it or remind them about that, they simply imagine that that you must have done something wrong, you're lying, this isn't true, it never happens, that kind of stuff. According to Alan Taylor, who is a narcissism expert since 1993, it all boils down to piss-poor emotional memory, <laughs> for lack of better words. The parts of their brains that are responsible for emotional recall and emotional memory are damaged. This damage shows up very clearly in a brain scan. And I want you to see this. See the brain scan right there? Mm-hmm. Normal brain, abnormal brain, not okay. So you see the empty circles in the mesotemporal lobes. That's where emotional memory is stored, and people who suffer from cluster B personality disorders just can't do it. It's not there. They are impaired in their ability to remember what previous experiences felt like. Uh, that is why they have trouble learning from their mistakes, and that's also why each and every time they fall in love, they think that they have found the one. They don't remember that they thought that last time and the time before that. They had all the feelings. They had all the beliefs. They just knew this was the one until it's not, and now they don't remember it at all. Um, you know, um, every time they fall in love, it's like the first time they've ever felt this way. And they believe that it's a unique experience because they really do not remember. They can't remember ever being so in love before. And so they act on that feeling. And this maladaptive relationship pattern continues through their life in cycles one after another after another. I have a personal example I will share with you. My narcissist's husband ex-husband, uh, came from a family that should have been like, oh my gosh, warning signs all over the place. If you come from a family like that, you can't get out unaffected, untainted from that. And so run away. This is not good. Uh, his mother was married like eight or nine times. I kid you not. Eight or nine times, eight and a half times, let's say. Um, two or three of them dead like, I won't say she killed them, but they ended up dead, um, either in the relationship or shortly after. Um, you know, that is how he learned what was normal, was watching that. 
And so how would he know what normal is when he never saw it anyway? So these maladaptive patterns, clearly for her to do that, she had to have some similar trouble with emotional recall and memory. She had to believe each time this was the one. You couldn't marry nine times if you didn't have some maladaptive something happening with your brain. You just couldn't. At some point, you'd say, okay, enough already. This is I've been here, done that. I'm going to try something different. Um, so I just want to say that something like that is something to look for. Um, the advantage that this weakness in emotional memory gives them gives the narcissist, is that they can just get over emotional pain quickly and easily, certainly much faster and easier than a neurotypical person. Like all of us, they uh, project emotions. They assume that their victims can and do get over emotional pain as quickly and easily as they do. So that's why they act like nothing happened. They assume that you just got over it, whatever it was, just like they did. They cannot grasp the idea that emotional injury and heartbreak and all of that can have long-lasting or even permanent effects on a neurotypical person. They assume that like them, you can just get over anything quickly. To them, nothing happened. And that's because they struggle to recall what it felt like. And so here's a, here's a moment of truth in one sentence. Without memory, there is no attachment. Without memory, there is no attachment. Narcissists prioritize the memories that are important to them and live in the moment, in that moment, and with little or no reflection upon the past, nor any thought in regard to the future. Since they lack this emotional empathy, which prevents them from truly connecting with others, you heard that word, emotional empathy. They have cognitive empathy. They're not stupid. Some of these people are extremely bright, very gifted, very talented, very intelligent. They see how other people respond emotionally. Oh, this is a time where everybody's feeling sad. They're all crying. Okay, I get that. That's appropriate right now. Maybe I should try to get in the flow with that. Oh, everybody right now is feeling fill in the blank. I observe this. I register this in my brain. Everybody's feeling blank. And so they have the cognitive empathy. They can see it. They can identify it. But can they feel it and internalize it? They have no idea what it feels like. They have no idea how to internalize that kind of empathy where you truly connect with another human and it hurts you to hurt them. It hurts you to see them suffer. They don't get that. They don't, they don't hurt. You know, my ex-husband, um, it'll be four years on June 2023, four years, and I'm still um, working on it, you know, to recover from 16 years with this man. And so my, my ex-husband he, when he, the day he left, which by the way was with no warning, with, um, you know, there were signs that things were off, you know, but I just, I thought, well, you know, things have been off periodically throughout the relationship for 16 years. And so it's not something we won't get through. 
But he just suddenly announced his departure. And the day he did, he said, I don't see why you're so upset. Because he saw that I was just in shock and that I was um, devastated, just blown away completely. And he said, I don't understand why you can't just be uh, like me and just enjoy being single and just go out and date and have fun and meet new people and, you know, look forward to that. Just do that. Why can't you do that? And um, <laughs> I thought, oh, what the hell is wrong with you? What? We've been married, building a life um, for 15 years. We've known each other 16 years. I'm supposed to just say, okay, um, I'm going to go do that. I'm not going to be sad or feel anything or remember anything that we planned or did or whatever. I'm just going to put it all down and walk away and say, okay, this is what he wants. Then good luck to you on your adventures with being single and whatever. And um, I'm going to do the same thing. Yay. Okay. Agreed. Let's, let's do it. Yay. That's what he wanted for a response from me because he just didn't get it. That, you know, in the in the weeks and months that followed, oh my gosh, I think I nearly died. It was such an emotional trauma and wounding for me. The pain that follows this, the physical symptoms that manifested, I mean, it was the hardest thing I've ever tried to get through. Um, 100%. Nothing else compares to that experience and I still have it sometimes you know but he didn't get that he didn't get it you know not even even a little bit of it it was just so nonchalant it was just so this is an this is a is a day where I'm just telling you what I'm gonna do like I'm just gonna go stop and pick up some milk on the way home it was just announced this way with zero understanding of how that might feel to a real person with real feelings it was incredible Looking back on that, I was I was speechless. Um, so the since their lack of emotional empathy prevents them from um, uh, from any truly connection to other people, the memories about how you feel are much less important to them than whatever is on their mind at the present moment. And at that mind, what at that moment, what was on his mind is oh. I get to go have sex with new people, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I've tried it a few times, and I really liked it, so now I get to do more of that. Yay for me. I mean, that was the only thing. Not the fact that we had built a life together for all those years and that we had, you know, bought a house and we had rehabbed it and we had jobs and we, you know, we were both teachers and we worked even together in the same school some of that time, and we had a common vision, and we had none of that, none of it. It was just gone like that, gone in an instant, like delete, bing, done. Incredible. Um, so narcissists are especially, uh, and especially psychopaths, are task-driven and single-minded like a shark single-minded in their compulsion to obtain or retain certain things. Mine wanted to be a famous artist. Um, you know, sometimes narcissists have the qualities, their ruthlessness, their lack of empathy, their just 
crazy drive to succeed sometimes catapults them to the top. I wouldn't be surprised to see that he actually achieves that goal at some point because just think about that, what you could do if you didn't have regular human emotion and if you could do anything to anybody at any time to get what you want. Wow, that kind of, you know, gets you places that a normal guy can't get. So, um, so they're single-minded. That's all they can see is what they want. And anything else, it doesn't matter. Um, they lose sight of everything else that they, and so that they can only focus on that one thing that's in front of them. You know, we can now see narcissism in the brain. You can actually see it. A brain scan of people with narcissistic personality disorder shows less brain matter in areas associated with emotional empathy. That is, it's for real. Wouldn't you love to get your narcissist to get the brain scan so it can prove that what you've been saying is true? Like, yeah, look at this. Here, it's right here in this picture. Part of his brain's missing. You know, it's, there it is. There's the answer to what's happening. According to research, people with narcissistic personality disorder have reduced gray matter, the volume of the gray matter uh, in areas of the brain related to empathy and increased um, emotional resonance or something. Um, they're, they're, uh, these things are so um, affected that um, you can actually see them in different like the amygdala, prefrontal cortex, hippocampus, all this, you know, is affected. Um, so what do I want to tell you? Actually, only recently has anyone seen the proof of narcissism in brain structures, you know, on, on these pictures that they can take of you now. They, we have the technology to see it and how it ravages their brains. Their duality of existence, the false self suppressing the authentic self, all of that, it's always working overtime to reconcile their imaginary facade with the reality that is actually exists around them. Narcissists do this in, a, in part by filtering out information that they um, perceive from the outside, which contradicts the persona that they have created. And so then they ignore it or forget it or dismiss it or minimize it or deflect it or project it or just whatever they need to do, anything that's incongruous with their false narrative, they're going to get rid of it. So in the end, as the cycle of narcissistic abuse plays out, um, they're going to discard you always and then they're going to immediately erase you and delete you, and they're not going to remember anything that was real, that really happened. They're not going to remember it. They're not going to remember it. And, you know, that is the most soul-crushing, difficult part of all of this. When you have a relationship that fails, you can at least honor that dead relationship with that other partner. Talk about it. So, you know, it's really a shame that we couldn't work things out. And, you know, you can be human with each other. Acknowledge how hard it was to get past it. Grieve it. And acknowledge the grief that you're both going through. Um, you know, they can't do that. They're going to leave. And then immediately, it's like you never existed. Even I know people that, um, my best friend, 20 
seven years with this person and he did the same thing one day he just said I'm out <laughs> I'm going and without an explanation without a second thought nothing and in the years now that I have been writing and researching and um, doing therapies with people it's the same story every time it's the same same textbook um, rules that they seem to all follow and they do this you know uh, you never see it coming, and you may have enormous difficulty getting through what happens in the aftermath because this this level of invalidation, um, even after decades of marriage or something and partnering, this invalidation is the product of an absence of emotional empathy, um, hence being a natural space for the pathological narcissist to operate from, it is an act of, um, it is the act of purposefully denying, rejecting, diminishing, minimizing, negatively judging, and or ignoring your expressed experience, thoughts, actions, emotions, and memories. It's like an existential crisis that just wipes you out, <laughs> really. Um, Absolute death at the hands of a killer who cannot feel what humans feel or remember anything they ever felt about you in the past. Think about that, guys. How horrible is that? You're like being murdered by someone who can't feel what you feel and they can't remember anything they ever felt about you in the past. How annihilating is that for us, the ones who loved them? To know that, that they don't remember ever feeling anything for us. For those who are devastated by such treatment, it is good to remember that staying with such a mentally sick person too long can also give you brain damage. Knowing this should make you realize that their ruthless and heartless discard was really a life-saving gift it's hard to think about that when you think about how wonderful it was sometimes. But, if, you know, in reality, that's what it is. A gift is narcissism a form of psychosis or insanity. Yes, I would say yes, it is. According to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental <coughs> excuse me, Disorders, NPD is defined as a mental illness that is associated with pervasive pattern of grandiosity, need for admiration, and a lack of empathy. The damage that they do to others is tremendous. It's so tremendous, I'm getting all choked up about it. Um, <coughs> narcissists, excuse me, are the masters of emotional manipulation. They're going to try to control your thoughts, and your desires. Making future promises. <coughs> ah, sorry. Ma making future promises uh, called future faking. And uh, emotional blackmail are two forms of manipulation. And then gaslighting and cognitive dissonance um, are also common weapons that they use. Manipulation causes confusion, low self-esteem, anxiety, shame, guilt, 
all of this stuff. And so pretty soon you join them in this shared fantasy of delusion and magical thinking and you fall down that rabbit hole and you lose touch with everyone and everything that was previously important to you. This happens every time you become isolated. You lose so many people in your life because of them. They are soul destroyers and identity thieves. Do I think that they do it maliciously, intentionally wanting to hurt you? No, because remember what we just said? They don't know what that feels like. So you're just collateral damage. The aftermath of narcissistic abuse can include depression, anxiety, hypervigilance, um, a pervasive sense of prolonged grief, triggers, flashbacks, and overwhelming feelings of helplessness and worthlessness. They cause you to lose yourself and to suffer from PTSD or CPTSD for years sometimes after the relationship ends. You can have neurochemical dysregulation, peptide addiction, suicidal ideation, and despair that follow these relationships. Hurt people hurt people. And I know you've heard that, but um, sick people also make other people sick is where I want to turn that around a little bit. Sick people make other people sick. Sick people infect other people. And if you stay with them, you become sick. Uh, you have to. Their departure is a gift even if you feel like you've been murdered. <laughs> um, mourn the loss. Pray for the dead. And fight like hell to become one of the living once again. It is possible to heal after a life with a narcissist, and it's possible to lead a healthy, happy life, even though you're never going to forget what they did. They forget like that. You will never forget, um, but you will be able to move on. And they are incapable of ever healing or thriving just as much as they're incapable of remembering but you, us, we, we remember. And I think remembering could save your life. So let's take that message to heart, folks. This was uh, tough to think about. Um, tough to think about how it's just like that and you no longer exist. But you do. You exist. And um, and you're still um, of value. You're still capable of of being okay. And I know it doesn't feel like it sometimes. It's so hard. It seems so out of reach after that has been done to you, after you have been invalidated in such a cruel and unbelievable kind of way. All those years, all those memories. All those experiences, good and bad, gone, gone, gone. Well, what do you do with that? <laughs> I am going to go this Sunday afternoon and go get myself something to eat. And I'm going to watch um, a show that I like. And then I'm going to prepare for work tomorrow. That's what I'm going to do. Life goes on. Life goes on. Um and 
that's what we have to do. We have to go on. That's what we got to do now. So thank you for listening. I'm glad you were here with me today. Um, I, I, I'm making video uh, podcast for Spotify. Um, some people have commented that they like that. I do not believe in getting all gussied up <laughs> to do this. So I just sat down and kind of impromptu thought, hey, I'm by myself. My roommates are gone right now. What a great opportunity for me and my cat here to make a video for you. So that's what we did. Uh, so forgive the disheveledness. Uh, I hadn't planned on seeing anybody today. But, um, but I'm seeing you, and I'm glad that you're here, and I do see you, and I feel you, and I know what you're going through, and I just want to tell you it's going to be okay. You just have to believe that and keep going. Life goes on. Keep going. Take care of your stuff, and I'll see you next time. Okay. Bye-bye.